Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or even only one episode, or kind of aired part of their seasons, but like super delayed, or you know, whatever. With me as always is TV's Noah Houlihan. Do me gently with a chainsaw. We are doing the first five episodes of the 2018 reboot slash reimagining of Heathers. Uh, This aired in the Paramount Network? Kind of. We'll get into it. But we're only doing the first five episodes today. They're available on Amazon. Yes. Uh, We're going to get into a little bit of weird stuff at the end of the episode, but the first five episodes are available on Amazon. Yes. Whew. Let's, Let's not put off drinking anymore. Okay, we're pouring one out. What, what do you got there, Laura? Uh, well, because of the show is very aggressively color-coded, mm-hmm. um, I have the I'll let you be blue. Yes. Because you're always blue. And I let you be blue this time. So I have a frappe, like the blue slushy that is so important in the Snappy Snack Shack. Yes. Two Heathers. And it's blue curacao, and it's also a little bit of dragonberry rum, uh, some pink lemonade, because I was kind of curious if the influence of red and pink would influence the blue color. Mm. Wink. And then I blended it with, like, a lot of ice. So currently, this looks like a Titanic-themed drink. I'm so jealous of your drink. Because the ice is, like, floating on the top right Mm -hmm. now. It looks really good. What What do you have? How is it? Honestly, it's mostly blue. Aggressively blue. Yeah. Wonderful. I oh I drew to make it like a real blue, uh, because when I blended it with the ice, it kind of turned more white. I added a couple drops of blue food coloring to really get that blue. Yeah, looks good. Looks really good. Uh, I have the uh, Heather McNamara. Okay. So uh, I went with orange juice to give it that yellow color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I added some, um, oh, what is that called? Grenadine to give it some blood to be dripping out down slowly throughout it. And then I added some non-flavored straight vodka. Okay, so one of the things I want to get into here is because this is Heather's and three of our leads have the exact same first name, yes. uh, we're going to go with last names. Yes. So we will be referring to them as Chandler, Duke, and McNamara. Yes. Or um, because I've been in the Heather's fandom, there's also a chance I slip and call McNamara Heather Mac. Okay. Uh, because that's what they tend to call her online. Okay. Uh, this is an aggressively color-coded show. We're going to talk about the color theory a lot. Yes. Um, so we're watching the Australian feed. Uh, yes. Thank you to Crypt Keeper Matt. Yes. Matthew's in all this. I should say we did watch uh, Amazon Prime at first, and then we were like, wait a minute, stuff's missing. And then Matthew was nice enough to give us everything. And uh, we actually also, I only know we're watching the Australian feed from the disclaimer that runs at the end of each episode. Yeah. I looked it up. It's the Australian suicide hotline, which leads me to my next point. Here is a blanket trigger warning. This show faces pretty much all of the hot button issues and all of them poorly. Yes. Um, The showrunner actually said he made it a point to handle things irresponsibly. And succeeded. So uh, 
I just, I want to put this content warning, suicide, self-harm, uh, please, if you are... Ex- sexual assault. Sexual assault. Please, if you need to talk to someone, please reach out. We're going to run a tag with the suicide hotline. Um, are we going to edit it in here? Yeah, I can cut it in now. And, uh, but th- I want this to be a content warning, trigger warning. This show does everything and sh- it does it badly. Yeah. So I, I don't want... Uh, this is also one of the first times I felt the need to say, like, the opinions the show has do not reflect the opinions of Stay Doomed, Laura Prince, or Noah Hulahan. <laughs> yeah. Because this show has what I like to call bad takes. Some real bad takes in this one. Okay, so let's get into it, because we're going to talk about the episode one mm-hmm. a lot. We're only talking about the first five. Uh, we're going to try to move quickly through three, four, and five, because there's so much in episode one and two. Uh, we yes. op- we so, open on a prologue. Yes. Eight years prior, we hear the song Que Sera, Sera. Yes. So if you don't know that song, Que Sera, Sera, whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. So we're already kind of setting the tone of just kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking something up real quick. Go I, ahead. Just, I just had a thought. Uh, but... I made a note immediately about Kate Sarasara because what we're seeing in the opening is a suicide. Yes. And it is a woman burning down her house. It is also something that appears in the film. Oh, really? So I I wanted to point out that this first scene is just, if you like the movie, it's really a quick, we see croquet mallets outside the house. We see the red scrunchie. Mm-hmm. And the red scrunchie is like a very emblematic symbol in Heather's fandom. Yes. Uh, drain cleaner. We see drain cleaner. And then we see a man and a young boy pulling up to, a, to the house to find it in flames. And a woman in the window. And the woman is Shannon Doherty, who played Heather Duke in the 1989 film. Right. Wearing the red scrunchie. Right. So if you're into the movie, this is very confusing. Because you could totally believe she is Heather Duke. Yeah. From the film Grown Up. Yes. It's just, it's taking all the stuff from the film and like just kind of throwing it in front of you to be like, see, this is Heather's. And then the boy is transfixed and smiles at the woman. And she's standing in a burning building and then shoots herself as she smiles at the little boy. Yeah. And I realize I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be JD's mom. Yes. This is something that is not explained until, I believe, episode three. Yeah, and, like, I know it's JD's mom because I'm familiar with Heather's already, and I'm familiar that this is kind of a reasonable takeoff of how JD's mom dies in the movies and the musical. Right. Which is, I believe she puts herself in a building that Big Bud Dean is set to destroy. Okay. Smiles at JD from the window. The smiling from the window is in every version. Okay. Uh, It's... To make it particularly traumatic for a very young boy of eight or nine years old to witness his mother die in such a fashion. So we get to the opening. I like the opening sequence of this show. Yeah. So at this point, I am still on board. I will tell you the moment where I jump off. Yeah. But they show this like scene. It's very intense. It's very interesting. I don't get any of the Heather's references. Yeah. Uh, But it... I'm I'm disappointed it takes so long to under, put this scene into any sort of context. Uh, but right now I'm on board. Then we get the opening. The opening is great. Like the the title sequence. Yes. 
It changes every episode. It's got like weird pastels. Well, what it is is you see like the croquet mallets and then a black light flips on mm-hmm. and you see things written in the croquet mallets and then like you see a portrait of someone and then like it flips to black light and there's X's over their eyes. Yeah, so you're in the bathroom, it flips on, and there's satanic imagery. Yeah, so it's the insidiousness hiding underneath all these everyday things. I'm like, cool, got it. On board, loving this. And then we get the establishing shot of Westerberg, and you are still in this at this point. I'm so in this. The first thing they show is uh, this girl, Veronica, walking into the school. And the first thing she sees is like the quote of the day, which is outside of the school. Yeah. And it's Khloe Kardashian. Yeah. Like immediately, like, I'm like, oh, I totally get this. She walks inside and then there's metal detectors, but they're multicolored. Yeah, they're like brightly colored. They are all the colors of the Heathers. Ooh, I didn't catch that. The Heathers and Veronica. Because basically, I have a flashback to Clueless. Yeah. Where they kind of have this kind of school establishing shot where like a kid gets bullied and uh, like they try to take his lunch money, but then he's like, it's in traveler's checks. You don't want it. And then he just grabs an espresso from a mobile espresso machine. Yeah. It's like, okay, so, like, we're in Looney Tune land. Cool. I'm super on board. Uh, Veronica then talks to her old best friend growing up, Betty. Mm-hmm. And this blew my mind that it's Betty and Veronica. We, we are, you missed a giant scene. Did I miss a giant scene? I yes. apologize. They throw the lunchtime polls in there, which is from the movie. And up through episode five is never brought up again. Uh, so they talk about Veronica, and she meets with Ms. Fleming, who's the guidance counselor. And Fleming is trying to talk her through uh, what she's going to be in her college essays. And, you know, she's like, who is Veronica Sawyer? And Veronica's like, I'm a good person. I'm loyal. I'm half Jewish. Yeah. And Fleming goes like, this isn't the 80s. And Veronica's like, I have a 4.2 GPA and a 1510 on my SATs. But Fleming kind of says, like, without a compelling narrative, you're not going to make it into a college. Which isn't true. Somebody with that academic record is going somewhere. See, to be honest, that is a very 80s mindset. Because that harkens back to the panic of affirmative action Mm -hmm. and movies like Soul Man. Yeah. So this idea of, like, you're white and privileged and thus undesirable to colleges is a very like close-minded way to see things and then then we get to the lockers and then we have betty and veronica betty finn is a holdover from the movie who was cut from the musical uh her character's kind of like blended into martha dunstock in the musical and veronica has missed her recital and veronica is like oh you know We'll play croquet later, because Veronica and Betty play croquet together. Mm-hmm. This is from every version of Heathers. Right. Uh, to kind of make the Heathers look straight. The Heathers in the movie and are very odd and very quirky. They're not how we look at popular people. Like, none of them is a cheerleader, necessarily. Gotcha. Um, I know in the musical, Heather Mack is a cheerleader. But they kind of have this, like, they're odd. So we get the Heathers coming in. To music. Yes. Now, th- there's one thing I want to say before that is 
there's one tiny through line mm-hmm. that because I'm gonna jump off this this show like real quick. Okay. But there is a through line through these five episodes that keeps like popping up under the surface that cracks me up every time, and that's they continuously bring up the play Our Town. Yes. And they're like, yeah, she was really good when we did Our Town. And as a theater kid who hates the play Our Town, but it being like that like serious play that high schools do, hearing it just constantly come up like, yeah, but she was really good in Our Town. Hilarious. I also find it super interesting that they keep hitting that she was in Our Town, but they never tell you what role she played. That's a good point. They don't tell you what uh, Heather Chandler plays in Our Town, but she was really good in it. So we see the Heathers, and we have Heather Chandler. Yes. Who has essentially been retrofitted into a plus-size model. Yes. But she's, like, very alternate style. Like, she's not just what we think of as a popular girl Mm -hmm. in a plus-size model form. She's got that very alt look to her. Like, she's got the, like, the shaved sides in her hair... And she's got very, like, attitude-driven clothing. Yeah. She's, she wears a necklace that is the middle finger. Yeah. She later wears one that's the word, the F word in Old English. Yeah. And, like, she's little pins that say, like, die with a rainbow on it. Yes. So she's very, like, now, alt culture. Alt culture. And I want to bring this up now. Uh, this was filmed a while ago, right? This was, like... This was filmed in 2017. In 2017. Because this, like is very much the 2020 trend of the big-tittied goth girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So, like, I saw this, I was like, okay, I kind of, like, see what's up here. Yeah. And then uh, Heather Chandler, uh, who is red. Uh, is... And she's mostly in pink in the show, which I feel the need to point out. Right. We don't see her in a lot of red. Remember that. I'm going to get into this a little later. Okay. Actually, and... much later in the show. And she's then joined by her two other Heathers. Heather Duke, who is genderqueer and handled very... They seem to use she, her pronouns, but you get the impression that, like, the producers didn't know they, them was an option. Yeah. Because Heather Duke is not really explicitly trans. Mm-hmm. Like, Duke is played as pretty genderqueer. Yes. Um, because Duke kind of goes back and forth with some days they dress in a little more, and she dresses in a more masculine fashion. Some days she dresses in a more feminine fashion. But I believe they're trying to present Duke as genderqueer. Right. And, but they don't really like go into Duke enough in the first five episodes for us to get that. Mm-hmm. And then we have Heather McNamara, who is biracial and identifies as a lesbian. Yes. So we then see Veronica looks extra boring next to them because Veronica is wearing an outfit that is very, very inspired with what she would look like in particularly the musical. Yeah. Uh, Because she's wearing essentially the Heather's uniform of like the blue plaid skirt and the little blue sweater. Yeah. This is where I start to get confused because the Heather's are these very big personalities. Yes. Like you have the alt chick you have uh, the uh, the genderqueer, and you have this, like, she's not really defined by just being a lesbian who's mixed race. She has, like, very uh, showy makeup or, like, because she, she has, like, thick makeup. 
Yeah, she's like very fashionable. She almost looks Egyptian. Like she almost looks like she's trying to portray it's Cleopatra. Like the, well, it's the heavy cat eyes, which are in yeah, which are slash were in fashion. Yeah, at that so, time. So like it's very intense, and then you have a very plain looking Veronica, who we forgot to mention this is also narrating everything. Yeah. And in her narration, she's like, Veronica Sawyer is literally nothing. And like, she's not lying throughout these episodes. Like, I was like, have a personality, have an opinion, be a, be a human. And so they confront Veronica about her outfit and she goes, it's ironic. And Chandler's like, we're not doing irony anymore. Yeah. Which I kind of like, of like, uh, Veronica has just missed the bus. Yeah. This brings up the first question of why is Veronica part of the Heathers? Right. Because like you said, Duke, Chandler, and McNamara all have interesting things about them. And especially small town Ohio interesting. Right. Um, like Duke is the only person we see who identifies as genderqueer mm-hmm. in the first five episodes. Uh, Heather Chandler has like a massive social media following yes and heather mcnamara is you know two uh like two marginalized groups in one Mm -hmm. so you get the idea that like chandler curates this group around her of people who are interesting and people who have identities she can kind of build around yeah and then we have veronica who is nothing yeah veronica is she keeps saying she's half jewish and every time she says it she's kind of dismissed as like this isn't the 80s. Yeah, it's so weird. And then Heather Chandler sees... Ram. Ram wearing a uh, a sports shirt that has a Native American on it. Yeah, the Remington Squaws. Yes, which is the college he's planning to go to. Yeah, and also Squaws is a very strange mascot for a sports team because Squaws, like... Usually a term for a female, and that's usually not what your male sports teams. It, yeah. It's kind of the equivalent of being like the Remington Princesses. Yeah. Like it's a very strange choice for that team to be called. So she comes in and we're like when the Heathers enter the cafeteria, every single person turns and looks at them. Yeah. Heather Chandler walks up to Bram, takes a picture with her phone and says, Squaws. Don't you think that's a bit offensive? Dylan Lutz is 116th First Nations peoples. Uh, it's cool. Honestly, I didn't even notice. This isn't about you, Quat. Take off the shirt, Jock. Right here. Did Heather stutter? Take it off now. No, okay, come on, Heather, just leave him alone. Why are you being such host trash right now, Veronica? If we don't call out the literal Auschwitz of hate that goes on at Westerberg on a daily basis, then who will? I'm going to tweet this out to my followers and cancel you Mm -hmm. unless you take that shirt off. Yeah. And she's like, do it, jock. Kind of like the way a bully would say nerd. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like revenge of the nerds flipping of the social standards where being an athlete makes you get made fun of in this world. Yeah. And he takes the shirt off and he's a buff dude. Yeah. And they're like, how we embarrassed him. I was like, the attractive kid took his shirt off in high school. And now everyone knows how attractive he is. What's, 
Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then Edler Chandler's like, Now for your penance, I need you to go ask Jesus Julie if she'll do anal with you. Oh. Jesus Julie, no. No, no way. Do it. Or I post this to my 245,000 followers, several of whom literally write for blogs in New York and LA. Which means your racist ass will be a viral casualty by fifth period. And then say goodbye to whatever date rapey scholarship you're getting from Remington, Ram. Yeah, Ram. Shut up, Heather. Yeah, shut up, Heather. Heather, only I tell Heather shut up. Oh, yeah. In this essay, I will explain why this is the most frustrating scene I've ever seen in my life. Well, because the whole cafeteria stops, including, ostensibly, Jesus, Julie, and her table. Exactly! And, like, she's marginalizing the religious girl, who, by the way, we've seen do nothing at this point. So it's not like we established that Jesus, Julie, like, aggressively proselytizes. Yeah. Or does anything to, like... We have no idea who this character Remotely is. Remotely justify any poor treatment of her. Mm-hmm. But he then goes over and, like, we don't see what happens. And, uh, or we don't hear what happens. We just see it. He says something to Jesus Julie. Jesus Julie slaps him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see Heather Chandler being like, hmm, look, look what I did. And it was supposed to, to show Heather Chandler is a bully. Yeah. But it's under the guise of being self-righteous. She also points out another student and goes like, I can't remember the student's name because it's not somebody who appears a lot, but goes like, oh, you know, Robert is 116th First Nations. Yes. And Robert's like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So she, like, kind of that very social justice warrior stereotype of she, who is still, like, a white wealthy woman in a re- place of relative privilege, is fighting a battle that, like, this person who is part First Nations isn't trying to fight for himself mm-hmm. because he doesn't care that much. So the idea of like social justice warrior crusading a stupid crusade. Yeah. So what frustrates me here is they're trying to establish when the Heathers walk into a room, everybody shuts up and listens, but then immediately undoes that. And just like, yeah, apparently this table wasn't listening for some reason. And they kind of try to establish that this is a thing that happens all the time. So the idea that this boy would walk up to this girl and say this, and this girl's first thought isn't, I just saw you talking to Heather Chandler. Did she make you say this? Just makes everyone stupid. Yeah. So the fact that they, like, in this scene where they're supposed to be building up Heather Chandler as a villain, all they did is cut the balls off every other human being in the show. (sighs) Rant one. Cheers. So Veronica looks very disenchanted with her friends at this point. And we see her at the vending machine, which has Big Fun chips, because Big Fun is uh, the name of a band in uh, Heather's the movie, and it's the name of a song in Heather's the musical. So it's another nod and here is where we meet Jason Dean, JD. And yes. JD, JD doesn't work in 2021. No. In this essay, I will. Um, JD works in Heather's 1989 because he hadn't become a type yet. Right. JD in 2021 doesn't work because JD in 1989 happened. That like weird kind of alt guy 
who's like kind of bad news. I mean, obviously like the prototype is like the James Dean character in Rebels without a cause, Mm -hmm. but you have... JD has already deconstructed this trope to make him a murderer. And now we've seen this trope changed around and deconstructed so that like that kind of weird, sensitive alt guy is now Jughead Jones, is now Jordan Catalano, uh, is now, there's a hundred of these guys. And it's usually, he's the good guy now. Yeah, like, after we watched this, you showed me the trailer to Heathers. Mm -hmm. Like the original trailer where it was still called Lethal Attraction. Yes, and this was pre-Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Uh, We watched that trailer, and in that, JD is a cartoon character. Yeah. Because the establishing shot of JD in this trailer is... You gonna eat this? Oh, yeah. They seem to have an open-door policy for assholes, though, don't they? What did you say, dickhead? I'll repeat myself. They called him JD. He immediately pulls a gun. Mm -hmm. And he also has, like, a very strange affectation in the way he speaks. Yeah, he's trying to sound like Jack Nicholson. That makes a lot of sense. Christian Slater has said he tries to sound like Jack Nicholson when he does JD. (laughs) That makes a whole lot of sense. That scene happens in Batman the Animated Series Mm -hmm. where uh, Ivy and Harley are in a car and a car full of jocks pull up beside them and hit on them. Well, hello. I think I'm in love. Auga, auga. Excuse me, boys. Didn't your mommies tell you that's not the nice way to get a lady's attention? Oh, and what are you going to do? Spank us? <laughs> that's right, pigs. And here's the paddle. There may be hope for you yet. Harlequin pulls out a rocket launcher. Yeah. Like, that's the, like, it's the same thing. It's just like, I'm crazy. And it's a cartoon character. In this, JD is very dark. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing fun about him. There's not a wink to the camera. He is a void of darkness that we're allowing to just continue to exist. Yeah, and like the establishing shot, which we don't know is the establishing shot because they don't explain it, is him being a victim. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we're supposed to feel about this character is bad for him. Yeah, especially because like in the musical, we hear him tell Veronica the story. Mm-hmm. But I always like the ambiguity of like, we don't know. Yeah, they never show it, right? Uh, yeah, especially not in the musical. I don't believe they show it in the film. It's been like two years since I've seen the movie. But it's certainly not the first thing. Absolutely not. So, Because the first thing this show establishes is JD is a victim. Because there's a popular opinion that like uh, JD's mother didn't commit suicide. Uh, That's interesting. There's a popular theory that he's making it up and that... JD was involved in his mother's death or JD's father was involved in his mother's death. Oh, I'm already, I'm already getting there. Like I feel myself. That's a, uh, that's a pretty popular fan theory since we usually don't see the flashback. Um, so then we were at the, excuse me. We're at the snappy snack shack 
which is the version of 7-Eleven. Right. Uh, it's very interesting because in the musical, they're allowed to use 7-Eleven, but apparently only in the musical. Huh. Interesting. Because uh, they were specifically not allowed to use it in the film. Really? That's why it's the Snappy Snack Shack. Oh, something is awry at the Snappy Snap Shack. Yeah, they couldn't use Circle K either. Um, <laughs> nor the Wawa. Nor the Sheets. Um, nor the Quick Check. Nothing. Stop, so, stop flexing in your knowledge of convenience stores. It's all I have. Um, so they're in this convenience store. And we get the, another little JD and Veronica scene where we find another problem with how they characterize JD here. Mm-hmm. He's smooth. He is smooth as hell in this. Like, he's charming. Yeah. And it doesn't work because this sequence, he's kind of just supposed to be a little weird and off-putting. In the musical, he sings an entire damn song about how he, like, uses brain freeze to numb the pain. And that's why he drinks so many slushies. Okay. And, like, that's how also we find out his mom's dead because there's this great line where Veronica goes... Does your mommy know you eat all that crap? And he goes, not anymore. And you see her like, and it works because he's so off-putting and weird that he kind of puts Veronica on the defensive. Yeah. And since Veronica is privileged, Veronica's not used to being on the defensive. So being like taken off a peg, uh, she kind of like becomes intrigued by him in a way that doesn't work here. Right. And so she runs into Heather Duke in the parking lot. And Heather Duke is just doing whatever it is Heather Duke does. Because I'm not really actually sure why she's in this scene. And they kind of like talk about JD and boys in high school. And this is important because Duke and Veronica see McNamara hooking up with a male teacher in a car. Yes. And Duke takes a picture. Yes. And says, our black lesbian friend is only black. Because apparently... Despite the fact that the show knows what genderqueer means, they do not understand the phrase bisexual. No! Like, honestly, I didn't even get it when I first saw this scene. Like, because this is going to come up later and they spell out what they're trying to go through here. But I was like, oh, all right, so she's hooking up with a guy. Like, I didn't even catch it was a teacher at first. I was just so confused by this scene. Because they put so little light on the fact that it's a teacher on purpose Mm -hmm. that it was a forgotten detail to me. I was like, oh, it's just some dude. Yeah. Ugh. So then we get Veronica. uh, Veronica is going to a party with Chandler. Yes, Heather Chandler. But instead of being a frat party the way it is in the movie and the, uh, the way it is in the movie, it's a big house party in the musical. In, it's like an art opening. And Chandler really wants to impress the artist whose name is Amita. Yes. And so Chandler brings Veronica. And again, we don't know why Chandler brings Veronica. No. Because the Veronica doesn't really seem to have a purpose in the group. Veronica sucks. Okay? Um, Veronica sucks. <laughs> and like, we do get a moment where Chandler like upbraids Veronica for being boring. Right. And Veronica has, like, a Family Guy cutaway fantasy of burying Heather Chandler alive. Yeah, don't get used to this conceit, because this does not happen It much. never happens again. There's one other time it'll happen later one. in this episode. But it's enough to just be like, is this... It's so unestablished mm-hmm. that I kind of thought it was a flash forward. Okay. So I was just like, oh, eventually this was what's going to be happening. But no, it's just a weird thing. And it makes sense because, like, 
even in the musical, she says, like, she kind of has the thing of, like, you fight the urge to light a match. So, like, the violent imagery is always kind of there with Veronica, even before she does anything. Mm -hmm. But, like, Veronica's having a very teenage thought of, like, just that very teenage revenge of, like, bury her alive because I hate her. Um, And Chandler goes, like, you know what you were before you met me? You were just a wealthy cheerleader. And kind of, like, spits on Veronica that, like, she used to be a cheerleader. Right. And it was like, I don't really... The attitude toward cheerleaders has changed since the 80s. Like, cheerleaders were kind of, like, stereotyped as being, like, very vacuous and useless in, like, the 80s, early 90s. And then in a post-bring-it-on world, we now see that they're, like... We now have the emphasis of them as athletes. Yeah. You know... Cheerleaders are doing stuff that is usually highly technical, very difficult. So being a cheerleader doesn't have that connotation anymore. Right. People don't kind of have that like, well, cheerleaders just wave around pom-poms and say things to the boys. No, it's like, oh, so you're an accomplished gymnast. You're part of a team. Mm -hmm. There's your essay. Yeah. Um, We also... There's a big giant hole blown in this like college essay thing in a couple episodes that I'm going to complain about later. But Veronica and Heather get into a big fight. And then Veronica like goes to cool off in her car and she's hooking up with a guy we've never seen named Jacob. <laughs> she's not hooking up. He appears to be going down on he's her. He's going down on her and she's on her phone. Yes. Which is funny. I get it. Uh, and, but then she says, like, stop. And he goes, like, he puts his hand in the air and he's like, I would like it to be known that the moment you said stop, I stopped. Yeah. And for this to be a parody, the author is implying that this action is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I I don't like South Park very much, but I think the PC bros do this joke better. A hundred and ten percent. Like... Where they get like, I need this signed consent form to smash. Yeah. Like, that's much funnier. Mm-hmm. And we also, like, never see this dude again. Yeah. We might. He might just not be important. This just might not be important. We never see the artist again. Nobody cares. <laughs> so then they go back in and they have a big fight. And Veronica backs up into Drain Cleaner. Yes. That sprays all over Heather. Yes. And Heather says, I wrote this down. Yep. Which is funny. Because she's wearing a ridiculous, like, sequined cat outfit. Yes. And then Veronica snaps and yells, Well then lick it up, fatty. Lick it up. Right. Which is partially from the movie and the musical. Okay. She says, lick it up, baby. Lick it up. Okay. Which, we have to then immediately drive Veronica to fat shaming. Because that's the only way the rest of the plot works. Despite the fact that we've never seen Veronica do anything like this. We've never seen Veronica do anything. That's true. This is her first action. We're like 45 minutes into this. Yeah. And so then Heather is like, oh, Monday morning. Like, I'm going to tell everyone you did this. You were done at Westerberg because you fat shamed me. Right. In public. That's another weird thing. She specifically says you fat shamed me in public, which I was like. 
is she allowed to do it privately? I guess the implication being, like, she did it in front of people. That's so much worse. You Like, you publicly humiliated me as well as thinking like that. Right. I don't know. So then we get back to the diary thing. Yes. And we see Veronica in the monocle, which is from the movie. And we never see her in the monocle again. Yeah, it just pissed me off. Because, like, you're not going to address it, and it's not going to be important ever again. This is stupid. What are you trying to be? You're trying to be a... You're the reflection of this movie in a funhouse mirror. Yeah. JD comes in Veronica's window, uh, which I have a note of in the musical, it's the other way around. In the musical, she's wasted and, like, climbs in his window, which is kind of interesting of... She kind of, like, comes in and he's like, um... Uh, okay. And she's like, let's bone. And he's like, all right. Um, so he comes in the window and they go back to the snappy snack shack. And I realize he's wearing essentially Jughead's costume from Riverdale. He's not wearing the black leather duster that is kind of like emblematic of that character. He's wearing like the shearling coat that most people would look at and go like, I actually have him listed here as he is a uh, off-brand Jughead. Yeah. And again, he's kind of charming. He talks about going to a party with her. And he's like, we need refreshments and gets like slushies. And he goes, and we need entertainment and blows a bubble gun in her face. Yeah. He also takes a, a cell This is like a, a big high school move. He takes a cell phone, starts playing music and puts it in a cup mm-hmm. so it'll echo and be louder. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this, this kid's smooth. Yeah. Like it's a very... Like, this would have worked on me in high school. It, if I were single, it would probably still work. It'll like, still work, yeah. And JD is like, okay, we're going to handle this. We're going to cancel Chandler back. He has a Nazi hat that his grandfather apparently, like, collected memorabilia. So now he and his father have this stuff in the house. And they're going to take a picture of her in the Nazi hat. Yes. At this point, I kind of start having this theory of like, what if no one actually dies Mm -hmm. and it's all social suicides? What a great actual commentary we could have done with this. But no, the show is so basic. It is an Ugg boot latte. That's that's a line from the show I really liked. We also get... He says he's going to slip her a vomiting pill. Uh, yes. And this is essentially the Iklug bullets in the movie and the musical. Iklug means I'm lying in German. And JD tells Veronica like, oh, these are the bullets uh, Nazis use to fake their suicides. Mm-hmm. And just like in the movie and the musical, Veronica's like, okay. And so he's like, they get her corn nuts, which is another thing from... The movie of, like, Heather Chandler's favorite snack is corn nuts. For some reason. So they get a bunch of pictures of Heather in the Nazi hat. And, like, JD gets greedy. Like, he... They get a bunch of pictures and then he takes, like, a few angled, like, a selfie. Well, this is interesting because Veronica takes the picture and Mm -hmm. is, like... Because she's asleep and they put this Nazi hat on her. So they're able to break in and take a picture of her and, and dress her up without waking her. And Veronica takes a picture and uh, JD goes, you got to make it look like it's a selfie and then reframes it. Earlier in the show, Mm -hmm. uh, Heather Chandler asks Veronica to take a picture of her. Mm -hmm. And Heather Chandler goes, not like that. It's the wrong angle. Yeah. 
we're just kind of establishing that Veronica sucks. Mm-hmm. Just everything she does is awful. She just sucks at things. So, like, to establish constantly, like, anytime she goes to do a thing, it is wrong. Why am I supposed to like this character? She sucks. She's constantly saying she's nothing. She sucks. So, Heather starts to wake up and, like, JD offers her the corn nuts. And Heather's like, no, I'm not going to take your stupid dare. Oh, because JD tries to make her do, like, a penance dare of, like... You have to eat all of these corn nuts in 30 seconds. And when she declines, he goes, is the great Heather Chandler trying to lose weight? And kind of like throws her body positivity in her face. Yes. Uh, Important side note before we go. There's also a moment where Heather Chandler says, shouldn't you be home to Veronica? Shouldn't you be home writing in your journal about how worthless you are? I'm nothing. I don't deserve to live. And... While she's saying this, it's being recorded on Heather's phone. Yeah. Uh, so one, that's an important plot point. And two, she's not wrong. Veronica sucks. Yeah, so they kind of use that, like, JD is still recording her and her cell phone. Or her cell phone's, like, angled in the way that's recording her, saying, like, I'm worthless. No one loves me. I'm Veronica. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without saying, I'm Veronica. Right. And so she takes the corn nuts there after JD puts her up to it. She starts to choke and like every adaptation, she falls through her beautiful glass coffee table. Yes. Which is like the money shot of the trailer for the movie and stuff. And they go like, oh, JD immediately shifts into like, okay, we're going to say she committed suicide. (laughs) Well, first JD's like, whoops, wrong pills. These are suicide pills. Like he doesn't say that he lied. Yeah. He he says that it's a mistake. Might be. And we don't know if he's lying. Yeah. He could have been an honest mistake. And Veronica says, you know, my best friend just died. We need to call the police. And JD is like, no, we can get away with it because we have this video now. Yeah. We can make it a suicide. Why ruin all of our lives? Right. The problem is, what does Veronica have to lose Nothing, because she is nothing in her own words. You showed me Mm -hmm. the beginning of Heather's the Musical. Yes. And what's great about Heather's the Musical is she doesn't start popular. Yeah. So she has this new popularity that would be a thing that she values that she could see losing if she goes down as a murderer. Mm -hmm. I don't see any self preference preservation in Veronica that she would want to save because valuing something would be a motivation and she has none because she sucks. And like, I kind of realize I'm like Veronica and JD aren't even like romantically involved yet. She's Um, known this cat for a day. But like beyond (laughs) that in the movie and the music, in the musical, they've already slept together when this happens. Um, and in the movie, I believe they've already slept together when this happens. I'm a little shady about uh, the time sequence in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, but, and like another dude was going down on Veronica like earlier this evening. Mm-hmm. And she goes, we're going to be late for school. I hate this. I, they're clearly trying to take a combo pack of movie Veronica who does start out popular, mm-hmm. but is also like a little weird. 
and musical Veronica, who is edited to be way more of like a naive. Yeah. And they're trying to take both of those and make them this Veronica at this point. And it doesn't work because those two can't really coexist. And then we get to this like really gross conversation between the teachers. Yes. The teachers are terrible. Yes. And at first I was just kind of like, I get it. It's kind of funny because the teachers are horrible. And then you kind of bring up like, I think the teachers might be the voice of reason. Like Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be like the audience avatar because it's the principal saying like. So fat kids can be popular now. Oh, and the damn nerds. Don't tell me they're popular now too. And the trans kid. Though the blacks had a good run. Obviously, the gays and Jews are over. What about the Asian kids? Always like them. Never really popped. Oh, but there is this kid who's what they call genderqueer, who we find to be very well-liked. Is he slash she fat? Rail thin. All right, well, at least that's comforting. You know... There is a weird sincerity to everything being said that makes me just want to fucking throw up. And they, like, really go in on particularly Heather Chandler being heavy. Yes. And again, I feel the need to say like Heather Chandler is a plus size model. Yeah. Like there is nothing like she is perfectly quaffed. Her makeup is beautiful. She's got beautiful, expensive clothing. Like she is gorgeous. Yeah. So it's not like, so literally the only thing making her quote, quote, undesirable would be her weight. To these teachers, because her exact actions and stuff on a thin girl, they'd be like, well, of course she's popular. Yeah, like... It's bad. This is when I start saying to you, like, I'm pretty sure this is written by someone who has a son who plays sports but is unpopular. Yeah. And they're like, that's just not the natural balance. What the hell is happening in our schools? I'm calming down, guys. And, like, I want to get through this first episode before we really get into, like, the... I have one more scheduled freakout. All right. Just, just be, be aware. No, I'm sorry. I have two more scheduled for kids. Okay. Let me, let me try to get through this plot. Uh, so we see, like, it's announced that she... Because somebody runs right up to Veronica when she gets to school and is like, did you hear? Heather Chandler killed herself. Like, the, the rumor mill is a turn-in. Mm-hmm. And Duke and McNamara see the portrait of Heather that they're using, and they're like, they didn't even use a filter! Which is great. Mm-hmm. It works for those two characters. And they argue over who is going to do Heather's eulogy. Yes. And Duke immediately pulls out the picture of Mac and the teacher and blackmails her. Mm -hmm. And then puts a pair of what looks like red sweatpants on as a scarf because of the color theory of Heather's. Duke always tries to take Heather's or Duke always tries to take Chandler's position. And then Duke generally begins to wear at least one red accessory. Gotcha. Heather Duke actually says, And I think Heather would want to be eulogized by someone who's actually a member of the LGBTQQIAP community. What? Where'd you get that? (laughs) And post. Oh, I'm sorry, Heather. Looks like now everyone knows your dirty little secret. The, just, having friends who are gay and had to put up with the just shit in high school of, you know, being gay and unaccepted. To see on television 
them saying something like, being gay is desirable? Like, is a quality that you wish you had? Like, you looked up and at, like, cheerleaders when you were in high school. It's like, ah, man, if only I was, like, popular and fit like them. To have that same thought towards homosexuality, that is the most fucking twisted thing I've ever fucking seen. It made me sick to my stomach. Also, two other problems here. One, uh, do we not know what bisexuals are in this universe? <laughs> because, like, pe- people are not generally so quickly and easily put into boxes, especially in their teens. Speaking of being in their teens, McNamara, we do not know explicitly how old McNamara is, but she's a senior in high school, so she's 17, maybe she's 18. We find out later, she is 17. Mm -hmm. So she's a rape victim. Yeah. Because this is a grown man, and this is statutory rape. Yeah, it does get addressed later, but to not address it in the first episode, I got another freak out later. Um, I'm going to stop there so we can get through this. So, like, they they go like, uh, who will do the eulogy? And we also see Veronica doing the diary narration of different ways to try to weasel out of responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Which I kind of like. Because it feels very like when someone gets canceled, all of the mental gymnastics they do to try to make it not their fault. Mm-hmm. She even says, like, I was under the influence of a, a terrible love interest. And she's like, no, that plays too far into gender roles. So, like, they could almost make this work, but they don't. And, like, Betty offers condolences to Veronica and says, like, you know, and Veronica's like, can we hang out, Betty? And Betty is like, no. And that's when, but like Veronica's like, I'll let you be blue. Yes. Because they play croquet together all the time. And they're like, who knew? Even a popular girl can be sad. We must find someone to blame. Blame not Heather Chandler. She was a victim of society. And then they blame drugs, despite the fact that Chandler was not on drugs. Yeah. And then Betty Finn does the eulogy. Yeah. And she kind of comes out of nowhere to do the eulogy and establishes like Chandler and I were childhood friends. Uh, I don't blame Heather for hating me because that's what the rules said she had to do. And so she kind of steps in to chip at the rule, chip away at the rules and make a Westerberg where Heather's and Ram's and Betty's and everyone's can be friends. So she kind of comes in and uses Heather's death to social climb. Yeah. She's the, she's the change that people can believe in. (laughs) And it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of, and this is such a weird pull, Hans from Frozen. Uh, spoilers for Frozen. Um, <laughs> but it's this very, like, how does Hans establish himself while Anna is help is looking for Elsa? He is helpful to the people of Arendelle. He is kind to the people of Arendelle. So his plan is to say that he and Anna married before her death. And the people of Arendelle would have been like, oh, okay, Hans is king. Right. Because he has been smart enough to ingratiate himself with them. Mm -hmm. Betty is similarly intelligent. So we kind of see uh, Veronica go to JD's house. And we find out that Big Bud Dean is now the fracking king of Ohio. Which is a good update. Mm -hmm. Because he used to be in demolitions. And uh, they do like the weird son-dad thing. 
Yeah. Uh, that they do in every version. Yeah, of JD Heathers. calls his dad son and his dad calls JD dad. Yeah, which is in every version. And because of the world building in the especially the movie, we just accept it. Mm-hmm. But it's super weird. And then we get a title card that goes earlier that day. And it's Heather waking up, Heather Chandler. Yeah. Waking up and throwing up. And her parents run in and go, Oh, Heather, I just had the carpet steamed. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'm fine, get out of my room. And she finds the Nazi regalia and the pills, sees her phone blowing up, and she remembers exactly what happened. We don't have an amnesia plot here. Yeah. Sees all of the likes and then just says, I'm fucking famous. Yeah. End of the first episode. So. Do you have another freak out between I, episodes? Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna, I have two, but I'll combine them. Uh, one, because we missed this, there's a moment where Heather Duke, mm-hmm. who is genderqueer, is talking to Veronica in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And while they're talking, someone else comes in and Heather Duke yells, no girls in the girls' room. And then this girl leaves. This is transphobia. Plain and simple. That is what everyone is afraid of when it comes to trans people. It's like, if we let someone who wasn't born a woman into the women's room, there will be anarchy and chaos. Fuck this show. Like, how dare you? And I understand that this show is parody, Mm -hmm. and I understand, like, it's supposed to be funny, and, like, hopefully, because we haven't finished it yet, it's trying to eventually get to, like, the opposite points that it, it keeps leaning on, but it's episodic, which means you show all this terrible fucking garbage, and then there's a week before anything else comes up. Not really. This is about when we need to talk about how it aired. Okay. Um, we're going to get into a lot of the problems with this show airing at the end of this episode. Uh, but these aired in... In the U.S., they aired in two episode blocks. So one and two would have aired the same night. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this aired in a binge format because they couldn't get the show to run. Okay. However, the first two episodes... Dig this show a hole that is nearly impossible to get out of. No, because I think uh, something I would like to address. Uh, it, I know it took us an hour to get through the first episode. We're going to fly through the, the rest of the episodes rather quickly. We need to go into two. Uh, yeah, two we're going to spend a lot of time and then we're going to move on to things. But I do want to say, Laura and I had to sit down and have a discussion after episode one on how we wanted to approach this episode. Yes. Because we originally, our plan was like... Let's not make it a two-parter because we don't want to give this show any more highlights than we're already giving it. And we'll set a timer for each episode and we'll just rant on each one and then just move on because this is such garbage. Laura then found a lot of research. There's so much to talk about to discuss. Uh, But I also ended up doing a lot of work with contextualizing this with other uh, other media, other adaptations of Heather's, and I felt like we needed to make this two episodes. Because I have like a 90-minute PowerPoint after each episode that Noah had to sit through. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you guys the abridged version. Yeah. But after every episode, Noah had to watch me uh, pace around our house like a tiger. Complaining about the differences, like, the adaptations. If if after we had finished watching an episode of Heather's, a burglar had broken in, 
we would have ripped them to shreds because we were just like pacing caged animals. Like, someone fuck with me right now. Somebody fuck with me right now and it's all going to go down. I just want to point out, if somebody had tried to come into the house after one of the episodes, I would have been like, Okay, but in the first season of Riverdale, and he would have been like, oh, I'm out. Oh, it's not worth it. Oh, because we're... <laughs> Your computer's not even that good. Because, I mean, y'all. Hmm. If you think I like talking about Riverdale, we gonna get into Riverdale. Because I will also, like, before we move on, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on. We actually had to have a discussion on whether or not we were going to do this this episode after watching the pilot to Heathers. Like, is this something we want to give airtime to? Yeah, I was very, I was deeply upset by the first two episodes of this. Yeah. And like, I don't consider myself like super easily offended, mm-hmm. but I, I found myself deeply upset by the first two episodes. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's that insidious thing of just like, when you show shit like this and then our expected reaction is laughter, there are going to be people who do laugh and don't realize how fucked up that is to do. Yeah. <sighs> Anywho. Right. All right. All right. Turn to my page. So episode two, we start with the same eight years earlier tag. Mm-hmm. It's two moms gossiping, and we know they're Betty and Veronica's mothers. Veronica does the mean trick shot from the movie with the croquet mallets, because she and Betty are playing. Mm-hmm. And she does the mean trick shot to send Betty's ball flying. Yeah, that's part of croquet. Yeah, but it's a specific mean trick shot that's done in the movie. Yeah, yeah, when you send someone else's ball. Yeah. And uh, they see something, and then we see Veronica look on in horror and Betty scream. And then we get to the title card. We don't see what they see. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can figure out from this show it's a dead body. Yeah, it's a stand-by-me moment. And so then we cut to... uh, Chandler, like, looking over the tributes people are sending to her. Uh, and we see them from, quote, Trailer Parker, who we don't know who that is yet. Right. Ram and Jesus Julie. So, like, two people she antagonized shortly before her death. Mm-hmm. And then someone called Trailer Parker. And then, like, JD goes on this rant about public grief. Mm-hmm. That honestly isn't, he makes a good point badly. Of how, like, everyone inserts themselves into everything now. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't make it very gracefully. And he makes a point to mention sensitive race issues. Celebrity of the week dies. Oh, let me post about how truly devastated I am about the tragic loss of Robin Williams. You know, Flubber was a very formative film for me. Or up next on the American carousel of tragedy, another poor black kid gets shot. Let me insert myself into this incredibly complex racial issue. Not because I actually give a shit, but just so I can help define who I am. And now, Westerberg's very own Heather Chandler dies. God, I hope I can find a pic of us together so I can rack up on some sympathy likes. People will find any way to make someone else's tragedy just another plot twist in their very own grief opera. Which I want to say that he mentioned sensitive race issues because of something that picks up in episode five. So Veronica's like, I hate my friends. JD kind of gaslights her. And then they're making out on JD's couch, but they're interrupted by a vision of Heather. And Veronica like kind of panics. Yeah. They don't know she's alive. Right. And Veronica is like, I don't 
no. And Veronica's like very passive and boring. And JD like. <laughs> very passive and boring. Caring, like caring boyfriends, like you need rest. Go home. <laughs> She's like, I care about you. Everything's fine. Go home. And then she, like a caring boyfriend, does not walk her home in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Makes her walk home alone. No, in she has a bed. car. Does she? Oh, yeah, she does have a car. Uh, so she's like, and he does walk her out. Yeah. Because then, oh no, he does not walk her out. Because she leaves, and then the minute she's out of sight, JD snaps into a different person. Yeah. He did see Chandler. He goes out and sees that his car is defaced with rose petals and the words, what is your damage? Right. And what is your damage is from the movie. Okay. And he then kind of like has a moment of, oh my God, Veronica. Because he knows like Chandler's going to follow Veronica. And Mm -hmm. he's... They did try to murder her this morning. So, you know, he's a little worried that his new girlfriend is going to get got by Mm -hmm. Heather Chandler. So he goes off to Veronica. And Veronica uh, comes home and takes off her shirt, which is immediately, you go, Fox! Because (laughs) uh, we watched uh, Murder in Small Town X, and that was something we kept yelling. Yeah, any time that there was boobs, we blamed it on Fox. But... I think it's also to establish vulnerability. Yeah. She's home. She thinks she's safe. And then we see her closet mirror and I go, mirror scare. There's another shot. We go back to her closet mirror and there's Chandler. And I was like, mirror scare. Yay. And then you yell, Veronica's closet. (laughs) I was trying to do anything to entertain myself at this point. So JD then climbs in her window and sees Chandler sitting in Veronica's bedroom with her. Mm -hmm. And... Chandler kind of tells JD what the story is going to be. Yeah. And she's like, Chandler has decided because she's gotten so much attention, she's going to play into the narrative that she attempted suicide. Yes. Because it has gotten her a lot of attention and she's famous. Mm -hmm. But Veronica and JD are going to kind of have to dance to her tune. Yes. Because she has extremely effective blackmail on them. So... We then get a confrontation between Heather Duke, Heather McNamara, and Veronica in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, Betty Finn and Betty Finn's new friends, which include Jesus Julie and one other girl that we don't know. And Mac kind of like goes to Betty and Betty like takes her in. Mm-hmm. And Betty's like, yeah, of course, there's room for everyone with us. And Duke is furious because now, like, Duke wanted to step up into Chandler's, like, high queen role. But Mac has already abandoned her. And we now kind of get, like, the jocks are back in charge and they do very, like, insensitive, like, Native American chants. Yeah. And again, this whole thing about canceling Rams who he loses his college scholarship... But he was wearing the jersey of the school he'd been accepted to? Plot hole you can drive a truck through. It would be like... They're in Ohio. It'd be like if he was a baseball player who got signed to the Cleveland Indians. Yes. Um, And then trying to get him fired from the Cleveland Indians. For wearing wearing, a Cleveland Indians shirt. Uh, It doesn't make any damn sense. And like... This was in 2017 before the Washington football team changed their name or anything. So, like, you would not have been canceled for that. Yeah. Like, my high school, 
I believe, is still the Indians. Yeah, because at this point I have in my notes, because they're doing these like very offensive chants. Yeah. That I wrote, wait, so are we saying he actually is a racist? What team am I supposed to be on? Right. Because now I just like, all right, so they're all fucking monsters. Who cares? Yeah, and like Veronica points out like, oh, maybe we were better off with Chandler. And JD's like, we're better off without any monsters at all? Mm -hmm. Which like JD kind of has a point. Yeah. Um, And then it gets out that Mac was like, that Mac was in a relationship with a teacher. Yeah. And the narrative now confirms that Mac was 17. Yes. And so, like, no one wants anything to do with her. She's a pariah. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that she is a victim. Yeah. She's 17. This guy has to be at least 30. Yeah. Because she goes to Betty for help. Yeah. And Betty says... Can I sit with you guys? You you heard I'm not a lesbian anymore, right? (laughs) Heather, I would never care about something like that. I accept everyone at Westerberg. Except if they sleep with teachers. Actually, Heather, now that I think about it, you're underage and slept with a teacher, which means you basically enabled a pedophile. And listen, again, I understand that this is trying to be parody and that, like, people say shit like that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like... This happened at my fucking high school. Yeah. Like, a a teacher got taken out for this exact reason. And shit like this was said. And it was wrong. For Betty to say... Betty says this downright despicable thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it is your fault that a pedophile took advantage of you. Is basically what she's saying to this girl to her face in front of other people. Yeah. She suffers zero consequences for this. And then she gets sent to the slut table. Yeah. Because that's apparently a group that it's still okay to stigmatize. Oh, right. Oh, my um, God. The show. Like, it's like, yeah, sluts, we could say whatever we want to. Um, <sighs> and then, like, Mac tries to go back to Duke, but Duke won't take her back. And then they say, uh, Mr. Waters and Heather McNamara come to the office. So, like, not subtle. Yeah. They don't send in a teacher to come get her at lunch. hmm Like, everyone's talking about it, and then it's like, hello, hot gossip items number one and two, please come to the office. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be scandal, kids. And then, like, they basically dismiss this teacher with her in the room. They're, they're just like... They, they basically dismiss the, the allegations. Just like, it's fine. We don't know that it's him. It could be Photoshop. Yeah, they blame Photoshop. And- but Mac never gets a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Miss Fleming, who's the counselor who's like kind of championing for Heather Mac, doesn't let Mac talk. Talks over her, talks for her. And then as everyone's leaving, in front of Mac, the professor turns to Waters and goes, one more girl comes forward and you're out. Mm-hmm. Showing that they knew he did it. Yeah. This whole thing is gross, and I know that that's the point, but the way it is written, like, the the intonations and, like, the thing is, we as the audience are supposed to be laughing. Yeah. And again, 
not funny. No. And then, like... So then Veronica is, like, still trying to convince herself she's a good person. Because she's still mm-hmm. kind of allied with Duke. And Duke says something about, like, hey, can you get off the spectrum for a minute? Okay. Here and, we go. <laughs> well, there's two things I want to address here. One, if Veronica was on the spectrum, it actually makes more sense for her to be with the Heathers. Because Chandler wants everybody to have something interesting about them. And we didn't understand what Veronica had. Mm. And, like, I could go, like, okay, does Veronica... Is Veronica neurodivergent? And Chandler is using that as... Well, now I can bludgeon people who are mean to neuroatypical people. Because Mm. now I can kind of go, like, Veronica's neurodivergent. Yeah. But that would make Veronica interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if she was... Uh, uh, neuro uh, neurodivergent. Divergent is the, is the term. Uh, that would be what she wrote in her essay. Right. So they're just using the spectrum as an insult. <sighs> Listen, I know the argument of like, yeah, that's horrible, but that's how kids talk. Like, you know, they use these type of slurs in high school and we're just being realistic to, to like appeal to the youth about you know how they actually talk. There is a huge difference between making something uh, similar or uh, reflective of an actual time and normalizing it. Yeah. And this is normalizing it because it is a throwaway line that Heather Duke suffers no consequences for right. and no one even reacts to. Right. Like Veronica's not even bothered by it. Correct. To normalize this kind of talk in a show that is aimed at high schoolers, maybe, or Gen Xers, we'll yell at that about later. So fucked up. And it's not even a good joke. Like, no. It's lazy, is what it is. Yeah. So then, Duke is inviting everyone to a party that evening. Uh, Duke is handing out black roses, a mourning party, which. The morning party does feel on point with what they're trying to do of like, they're celebrating Chandler's death by pretending yeah. to mourn it. But, um, uh, Betty hands out counter invitations to like a big skating party. Cause you know, everyone's gone skating in the last 20 years Yeah, and everybody discards the black roses. So like Duke is standing in the hallway, just surrounded by black roses, which is a cool visual. Mm-hmm. Heather McNamara is walking by one of the offices and sees Waters having cleaned out his desk and has been fired, the teacher who was raping her. And we see, she's like, what happened? And we see four other girls, four other high school girls had come forward and said like Waters had said all of the same things to her. Mm -hmm. And Heather Mack is infuriated that he cheated on her with ugly girls. And th- that's terrible. And like the other girls get rightfully upset. Because mm-hmm. um, the other girls are not like particularly, un- they just look like high school girls. Yeah. And then Waters kind of like upbraids Heather McNamara of mm-hmm. like, you ruined my life. Haven't you done enough? Next time you think about doing this, I hope you turn that negativity on in on yourself. And Heather McNamara ends up 
apologizing to her rapist. And meanwhile, like, Heather Chandler is being fed a steady diet of people mourning her publicly. Like, Veronica just keeps sending her any picture of somebody mourning her. Mm -hmm. And then she gets upset because she sees Shelby Dunstock texting. Dunstock is clearly a nod to Martha Dunstock. And Dylan is wearing white. And so, like, that's how we kind of find out Chandler is is blackmailing Veronica. Yes. And gets Veronica to, like, bring her things she needs. Mm-hmm. And, like, first Veronica has to bring her, like, extra small condoms. And it was, like, a bunch of, like, embarrassing teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I sent you to the Rite Aid on a dare and this is what you had to buy. Which... I actually like that part because it's very grounding that they're teenagers and it's like yeah. the kind of prank teenagers do and always do play on each other. Mm-hmm. The extra small condom prank has been a joke since like the 60s. Yeah. And no one really gets hurt over that. It's just a little stupid. So then we go to Heather McNamara's room and because everything's so aggressively color-coded in the show, her whole room is yellow and her parents come in. And her parents come in and they're like, are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you having thoughts of suicide? But then they talk over her. And then they say, well, if anyone has a reason to kill themselves, it's you. Yeah. And list all the things wrong in her life. Like your best friend is dead. No one likes you now. Mm -hmm. Um, You got your teacher boyfriend fired. Like, it's horrible. And her her dad's Phil Lamar. And her dad's Phil Lamar, which is the least horrible thing. Yeah. Um, And then we go to see Duke's family. And then we see Selma Blair... Doing like a fun role as uh, Duke's stepmother. Yes. And uh, Duke is a, excuse me, uh, Selma Blair's character, Jade, which shade mm. of green, ha 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 ha. Yeah. Uh, is a stripper. Yes. And is married to Duke's father, who is like very old. He's in an iron lung. Yes. And Jade smokes over, like puts her cigarette out on it. Yeah. And an iron lung is... A compression chamber that's just fully oxygenized air. air. So, like... Very flammable. A bomb, basically. (laughs) So that, I was just kind of like, ah, that's funny. (laughs) And they, like, establish that no one's coming to Duke's party. Right. But then Duke opens... The doorbell opens, and Duke opens the door and is bathed in pink light. Chandler. Yeah. We get to the skate party. Uh, Betty Finn is holding court. She offers Veronica a seat at her table because Betty Finn is still trying to get Veronica on her side. Yeah. And Veronica's like, no, no, like I'm going to just hang out with JD. And she goes, and JD's like already upset. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, let her have her moment in the sun. And JD goes, her moment in the sun's giving everyone skin cancer, which is kind of a good line. There are occasionally good lines sprinkled throughout the show. Yeah, I have a couple good lines written down here, but like... Her mission statement is, like, equality. Mm-hmm. So other, like, I would be fully cheering for Betty if it wasn't for the pedophile line. Yeah. Is that you? I don't think so. I'm just gonna... I just want to make sure. Cause... I don't see my lights on. I don't see your lights on. All right. It does sound like it's going to be okay to record still. It is now. Outside. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Crawl back to my notes. Mm. Then Veronica explains the flashback from the cold open and establishes that what they find at the end of the cold open is the body of their best friend. 
who is wearing red. Yes. Because of the color coding. So Veronica has a story for a college admissions essay. Yeah. Of the murdered childhood best friend. Yeah, doesn't think of that. Yeah, like that's kind of this thing where I'm like, okay, so that's a story. Mm -hmm. That's trauma that you've suffered. Mm -hmm. And then Betty takes to the stage and does like this big speech of like, let's hear it for Heather Chandler. We've mourned her so hard. Here's the theme for the next dance. It's back to basics. Yeah. So that we can all be friends. The prom theme is going to be back to basics. And basic is also like a term for a certain type of girl. Yeah. Who would usually be seen as like the popular girl. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like the social strata is going back to basics on top. Yeah. Um, I'm only assuming that the show understood that reference and that I'm not just reading into it. I don't have faith in this show. (laughs) And then Mac opens the door because Heather Mac leaves the rink and opens the door and is bathed in the same pink light Mm -hmm. as Betty announces that we all need to move on. And so after Betty is talking about the prom theme, her mic gets cut and we hear the opening to Halo by Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And Heather enters all in white on light up skates (laughs) Flanked by Duke and Heather McNamara, kicks Betty off the stage. And, like, this is the moment where the show, I'm like, this is the best moment of the show. Yeah, so far. And it's so funny. And this is what, like, I think the show wanted to be the whole time. And then Chandler announces she's going to turn over a new leaf. And she's going to be the new face of suicide. Yes. And that she's not dead, just to make that clear. (laughs) And she's going to... She's going to help bullied students. She's going to help those in pain. If you need me, I'm here for you. And she's holding court and then pulls Heather McNamara aside and is like, you're a traitor. Well, I want to say one thing before that. There's a moment where the three of them are skating Mm -hmm. and Heather McNamara says, you know, things were really bad. But now that you're back, I think everything's going to be okay. It is the first time in this entire show where I feel like I saw a character be truly happy. Yeah. Like, Chandler was really McNamara's lifeline. Mm-hmm. And now, McNamara uh, always is kind of like the quote, quote, good Heather. Okay. Uh, so this is kind of like normal for her to be the sympathetic Heather. And But then Chandler... Dresses down Mac publicly yeah. and says, like, he, she calls her out for pretending to be a lesbian. She calls her out for aligning with Betty after she died. And then says, like, tomorrow, you're not driving to school. You're not taking the, a bike. You're going to take the bus because that's what you are. Bus trash. Mm-hmm. And we start hearing Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah, Hold On for One More Day. And Heather McNamara is crying in the bathroom. And... She, like, in a rage, smashes her compact. Mm-hmm. And then stares at the shards. And you and I both go, oh, no. hmm What happens next? I'm putting another content warning right yeah, now. Because right this here. is really bad. Heather slits her... Heather McNamara slits her wrists with one of the mirror shards. And then bleeds her way through the rink. Like, we see the pool of blood. We see people mm-hmm. skate through it. And had, like, you saw the trail of blood and then somebody skate through it, if the episode ended right there, I think that would have been 
kind of well done. Like, suicide sucks. Mm -hmm. But, like, just kind of, like, here's the impact on the rink in this moment. Like, that, it could have just cut off right there. Like, letting letting the viewer fill in what happened. We watch her suffer. And so then we see, like, Max skate for a little bit. And then Heather McNamara stumbles out of the skate rink. And then says, like, I need help. I've made a mistake. To Betty and her friends. And her friends are like, don't you see Betty's upset right now? And Mm. dismiss her. And then we see, like, Heather McNamara drifting away as she skates down the road. And you can see, like, the light going out of her face. Mm. I actually thought she was going to get hit by a car during this sequence. What happens is actually worse. Yeah, she makes it home. And then... Makes it to the living room couch where her parents are sitting. Mm -hmm. Sits between them. They go like, oh, you're home before curfew. It's a miracle. And Heather McNamara bleeds out and passes away. In between her parents who are... Ignoring her. Ignoring her watching television. This feels like they're... in Like... This feels like the show is enjoying it. Yeah. Like, this is a very long sequence. Very uncomfortable and, like, extremely upsetting. Mm-hmm. And after the... I didn't sleep well after watching this episode. Yeah. Like, this wasn't fun. This wasn't funny. This was done in a way that just felt really nauseating. Yeah. And, like... And I get what they're trying to say of, like, everyone ignoring this poor girl through all of her problems and then ultimately ignoring her through her death. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got the point, but this felt torture porn. Yeah, I, I don't feel like that was the point. It's the point I got, but it also might be, like, I'm looking it, at it too empathetically for the show. To me, it, it almost felt like uh, she, you know, she's committing suicide and she's asking for help and she's being ignored. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like this, it's her own fault. If she didn't want to die, she shouldn't have done this. Don't rely on other people to help you. Yeah. Like, it's... Oh, it's just gross. Yeah, like, it's so uncomfortable. And, like, the actress does a great job. I will say that. Like, she does a very good job. But it's... This did not need to be filmed. And that's the end of the show. Like, that's the end of the episode. Like, Uh, there actually is a week gap now, right? uh, No, a day. A day again. In the American edit. It's just um, like, it's an irresponsible way to leave your audience. I, I actually had the thought of, we by this point we are watching the Australian episode. Yes, we do switch to the Australian I, I did want to, I'm going to check in on this and I'll check in next week to see if the second episode of the American edit ran the same way. Because 13 Reasons Why got absolutely uh, raked over the coals by the press mm-hmm. for showing their lead character committing suicide by slitting her wrists in the bathtub. Right. And they show it. And, like, this feels just as explicit to me. Yeah, we don't actually see the action. We don't see, like, shard of glass and wrist. But, like, you figure out what happens. Yeah, like, her hands are covered in blood. Mm -hmm. We see her bleed into the couch. Mm -hmm. Like, the couch is all, like, you see it seeping into the couch as she bleeds out. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's genuinely extremely upsetting. 
And it doesn't, it's not the tone of the rest of the show. There, there's also this feeling of like episode one ended with uh, Heather Chandler not actually being dead. Right. I, so I'm fully expecting that uh, McNamara is going to be, be fine. So going into episode three, I was going to be like, oh, they're, they're going to explain how they saved her. So when they don't, I'm just like, I feel just like gross. But then episode three also starts with a dream sequence. It starts with Veronica in a jewelry store talking to Heather McNamara. Right. So they know that that's the assumption, like that Chandler didn't die. So then we see Heather McNamara working in a jewelry store, complaining that she's bored and trying to sell Veronica ruby red bracelets Mm -hmm. because she slit her wrist, so blood. And Heather Mack begs Veronica to send her someone to play with because she's bored. Yeah. And then we also establish that JD does not attend Heather McNamara's funeral. Well, about this dream sequence, are they implying she's in hell? No. Are they implying she's in heaven? They're implying she's in the afterlife. It's very important that I'm ambiguous because I know how the show ends. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm going to stay ambiguous here. But this is also Veronica's dream sequence. Yeah. So like this is just what Veronica is picturing. Yeah, but Veronica is our narrator. So like we're seeing everything through her. So her interpretation is important because it should be our interpretation. Veronica's not smart enough to have a real interpretation. <sighs> Veronica um, sucks. So then we get the title sequence, and then we see that the uh, the name of this is Date Rapes and AIDS Jokes. Yeah, did not get any of those. This doesn't make any sense. So Heather McNamara's funeral is, she's buried in like a sunny yellow dress and a yellow casket. And Chandler like, does the eulogy and just kind of snaps her fingers and Veronica has to hold like a light reflector for yeah. her. Yeah, so she looks good while doing this. And Duke films it. And then like, we get the idea that Heather McNamara isn't even the focus for her own funeral. Yeah. And then we get the line that I hate the most in the entire series. Heather McNamara's parents crying over her casket going, we love our dead straight daughter. <laughs> if you know the movie or the musical... I love my dead gay son is a whole thing when uh, Kurt and Ram die Mm -hmm. Uh, because they die as the result of JD and Veronica faking a botched suicide pact. Yeah. And so then like one of their fathers does and I love my dead gay son in the musical. It's an entire musical number. And so we kind of get this like belabored. We wanted to put this in here bit Okay, so I want to start, like, motoring through this. Yeah, we're... so we're going to motor now. We're, you know, we'll get through, like, all the big things. Uh, so... McNamara was Veronica's best friend. Because we get, like, Veronica's genuinely upset. And she's kind of pissed off at JD throughout this entire episode. Because JD didn't go to McNamara's funeral with her. And we also get that there's going to be a musical called Teenage Suicide Don't Do It. Right. Because he's trying, like, the teachers are making this about them, too. Chandler blackmails Heather Duke into auditioning to make her look better by comparison. Then Heather Duke convinces Veronica to double date with Kurt and Ram. Yes. Um, because Kurt and Heather Duke are in a relationship, a secret relationship. And it's this very fun, they're playing laser tag. And Heather Duke calls JD Jackie 4chan because the best insults are all leveled at JD. Yeah, Jackie 4chan, great joke. They're playing laser tag with a plot. That seems awesome. And 
We and it's really important to establish. Uh, Ram is very nice. Like yes. Ram promises Veronica, like just try to have fun. I'll tell Heather Chandler you rolled your eyes the whole time. Yeah. Like, kind of. He's charming. Yeah. He's sweet. And we also get an inner cut scene here of Heather Chandler finds out from listening to the drama teacher and her mother that she only gets the leads because the drama teacher is friends with her mom. So we get this weird scene in which Heather Chandler is made incredibly sympathetic. Yes, which you can't do. She's the villain. And her entire world is predicated on a lie. Like, when you're doing this much horrible shit, you can't give the reason why it's okay. Like, oh. Mm. Um, then we get a scene with JD's dad and JD's dad's girlfriend who is like JD's dad's girlfriend is like vapid and like then JD like JD's dad's girlfriend like prizes marriage and kids JD doesn't I'm 14 this is deep uh, thing against marriage like yeah. marriage is a wound it's fear it's weakness it shows you're not a whole person um, so like he's bad at relationships because he's the worst so then Ram and Veronica have kind of like a cute little moment. And she, he goes, hey, can I ask you something? She goes, I'm not going to sleep with you. And he goes, no, I was just going to ask if you were okay. So Ram is like established as being the most compassionate character on the show at this point. Yes. And he like sees her to the door. They're super awkward. We've also established that like JD no longer even climbs in our window. He just texts her that he's here and waits outside. Yeah. And... Uh, Kurt and Duke are talking in uh, Kurt's car. Kurt gives Duke his class ring. He has it engraved with the first thing Duke said to him, which is something offensive that I forget. Yeah. It says like high urinal cake or something. Mm-hmm. And Kurt's like, my parents want to meet you. And Duke finally acquiesces like, all right, cool. I'll meet your parents. And Chandler confronts her and says that Duke needs to break up with Kurt because, quote, you bought a bachelorette party to a gay bar. Right. And Duke dumps Kurt because that's what Heather Chandler told her to do. Mm-hmm. Has a great line of, uh, I'm a mountain lion and you're a cross-eyed dumpster cat. Yes. Which is fun. And then we meet Lizzie. Lizzie is black and Lizzie is a foster child. Yes. And Chandler adopts her because it's good for Chandler's image mm-hmm. to pick up someone less fortunate than she is. For the new, like, softer, gentler Heather Chandler. And... So that we, we need to establish that Lizzie exists. Yes, because she's going to be important. JD and Veronica have a fight in the hallway. And Veronica's actually likable for a minute. Yeah, because she this is the first time she makes an action on her own. And she's like, you're not as smart and deep as you think you are. Uh, you're the political beliefs of a dorm room poster, which I know you hated this line. Yeah! Because this is where I realized, like, oh, the audience for this is Gen X. This is not actually being aimed at people in high school or anything like that. Because there's no high schooler that thinks, man, college students, fucking stupid. Because that's who they're about to be. Yeah. That's what Gen Xers think about college kids. And they're like, ah, they're in college. They think they know everything. Blah. There's no way a high school student would ever say this. So, uh, Ram comes in, Veronica writes a, a, uh, diary entry and she's like, I don't know if I like Kurt. I don't know if I like JD. I don't know what's going on with me right now. Blah. And then she's like, but JD's going to come through my window any second. Someone does. It's Ram. It's Ram. He wants to show her something. 
And so we get this intercut thing of Ram takes Veronica to Butcher's Bridge and kind of acknowledges like, yeah, this is where General Westerberg brought his 12-year-old bride, but it was the old time, so like, uh. And he's trying to be romantic in like a very cute high school way. He's rigged up the bridge with all these Christmas lights. Yeah, and she says like, I really wanted it to be perfect for you. And this is when I was like, wait a minute, why? What is so great about Veronica that these two dudes are falling over themselves for her, she's nothing. That's all she talks about. Well, she's pretty. Um, he's like set up a picnic. It's very cute in a very high school way. This is intercut with uh, the auditions. And Chandler demands from her dad to adopt Lizzie. And her dad's like, um. And Chandler goes, you never buy me anything. And then bosses Lizzie around. And it's like, the point is clearly that Chandler doesn't understand the problematic aspects of like yelling about buying a young black girl and, you know, bossing her around. So then Duke auditions and Duke kind of just like sucks at the song Heaven is Place on Earth. I didn't think, I didn't think she was that bad, to be honest. She's not great. She's okay. Yeah. Uh, Then Chandler does it and Chandler's fantastic. Yeah, and throws in, like, extra trills. Yeah, and then there's a girl playing Kitar on stage who is my favorite character. We don't know anything about her. I call her Kitar. I love her. Yeah, she's really good at the Kitar. And she's in. She's like into the Kitar. She's great. And then Lizzie starts singing back up and then begins to upstage Chandler. Yeah. And Duke is just gleeful. Like, you see Duke yeah. grin, like, ha <laughs> ha! And, like, Duke is... She is loving this. And... Um, so then Lizzie gets the lead and Chandler is super upset. Yes. I love this scene because one, it feels like, like nobody dies in it, which is cool. Yet. <laughs> no, no one dies in the whole theater scene. Right. No one dies in the theater. Like it's something that's okay to joke about. And I'm Dance Dance Revolution trash. So I love Heaven's Little Place on Earth as a song. So like, I was like, oh, okay, this... The show's going to fucking turn it around with theater shit. Talk about our town more. Then what happens, Laura? <laughs> so the lights go off on the... The little Christmas lights on the bridge go off. And Ram is like, oh, poop. I'm going to go fix it. I want it to be perfect. Close your eyes. And Veronica, like, giggles and covers her eyes. So when the lights come back on, Ram's body drops in front of Veronica. And JD stands over it. And Veronica horror movie screams. Yes. And she grabs the cheese knife from the picnic. From the nice charcuterie tray that Ram had prepared for this. Yeah, he prepared a whole picnic. And then JD does like this speech about jealousy and it's very creepy and pretentious. And he's like, Ram couldn't begin to understand how complicated you are. And I was like, she's She's not complicated. She's the color blue. I think Ram got to primary colors. All she is is the color blue. And then she drops the cheese knife and says, you had me from the moment I saw Ram's lifeless body. They confess their love to each other and make out furiously over the end of the song, Heaven is a Place on Earth, as Ram swings below them. But if that were true, Veronica, why did you grab a knife? Yeah. If you were just like, my boy's here. Why are you grabbing a knife and holding it threateningly and screaming? This is bullshit. This is a false surprise. Also, like, the reason the murders work in... The movie and the musical are Kurt, Ram, and Heather are and Heather Chandler are extremely unsympathetic. Uh, like Kurt and Ram explicitly try to date rape characters. 
in <sighs> the movie and the musical. And like they try to date rape Veronica, they try to date rape Heather McNamara. So you kind of can argue with yourself that these characters quote quote deserve what happens to them, mm-hmm. much like JD and Veronica do. Well, and then, but in this version, no one is that unsympathetic, especially not Ram, who we've kind of see be like the nice guy in a teen rom com. Yeah, what what is what is Ram? Right before he dies. Happy. Yeah. For some reason, when a character finally has joy in their lives in this fucking Seth's pool of a show, they immediately die. Yeah. Like, the biggest murderer in Heather's is Joy. Inside Out crossover. What a twist. That's episode three. I'm going to take another break so I can get another drink because my throat hurts from yelling. I'm going to get started on this episode because I'd like to be done this before sunset. Okay, I'm still here. Okay, so we start and it's like snowfall. JD and Veronica lay in the snow. It's Veronica's 18th birthday. JD gives Veronica the red scrunchie that belonged to his mother. Sidebar, the red scrunchie that belonged to his mother who burned in a fire. And this red scrunchie does not have obvious flame retardant properties and was on her wrist when she died. So they picked this scrunchie off her dead, burned body, and it still looks fine, I guess. Sure. They're on stage in the theater, like they're not really laying in the snow, and that moment kind of works, I guess. And uh, she puts the scrunchie in her locker and like treasures it. Uh, Betty comes over and goes, today is your birthday. And I yell, thanks, Dwight. And Betty asks Veronica to come over and play croquet with her. Because now Betty's not on top anymore and needs Veronica again. And Veronica already has plans with JD and offers to come see her afterwards. This is also when I point out that they use the phrase, it is just or isn't it just all the time, which is clearly supposed to be an update of Heather's the movies, how very. Um, then we go to the men's room uh, and Duke brings Kurt in. Actually, I believe it's the ladies room. Duke brings Kurt into the ladies room. And tries to hook up with Kurt. And, like, Duke spells out the reasons that Chandler made her dump Kurt. And Kurt is kind of just like, I don't want to be doing this. You just dumped me. Please leave me alone. And then uh, we kind of get this, like, weird scene with JD and Veronica. Veronica genuinely regrets the death of Heather McNamara. Like, I I do want to point out, she genuinely mourns Heather McNamara. And then they do this driving game where JD has his hands on his wheel and Veronica is his eyes. And like they speed up and it's this. Yeah. JD's doing the Fast and the Furious no look where he's looking at the passenger instead of the road. Mm-hmm. And Veronica causes an accident on purpose. Not for them. She drives in between two cars and they like both drive off the road to yeah. avoid her. And like you see the headlights hit Veronica and... Veronica does something that only can really be explained as not afraid, but aroused. Yeah. As if she has that weird fetish where you're turned on by car crashes. Yeah. Not to kink shame, but that's a weird one. Well, that she gets off on chaos. She gets off on causing problems. Mm-hmm. And we see her like miss a call from Betty. And then we see this kind of like sad shot of Betty sitting with like two melted ice cream sundaes and like 
word balloons that say Veronica. Mm-hmm. Which part of me was like, she already said, like, I'll see you after I see JD. I don't think I would have prepared much. I would have expected Veronica to stand me up at this point if I was her. Yeah. So then Chandler is doing a huge awareness campaign Mm -hmm. where she is selling $42 shirts that say, I am suicide. Yes. And Trailer Parker, who we now know is Brianna Parker, uh... She can't afford a $42 t-shirt, but she wants one because like... Is her first name Brianna? Yes. I thought it was Taylor. No, no. Oh, well then this this whole Trailer Parker thing is not clever. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like Martha Dump Truck. So now we know her name is Brianna Trailer Parker. Um, I just checked the wiki. It is Brianna. Okay. Um, and we find out that like the shirts are $42 and... Trailer Parker can't afford it. Like, we see her open her wallet and there's just, like, an EBT card, um, which is, uh, like, a SNAP food benefits card. Yeah. And we see her, like, sad, like, we see her sad home life as she makes the I Am Suicide shirt from, like, a red t-shirt she already has. Yes. And people start to laugh at her. hmm And this is over the song Every Rose Has Its Thorn uh, by Poison. Because the songs are all very 80s yes. in this. And we kind of get this next shot of the football team is gathered behind the bleachers and we see uh, Trailer Parker trying to find someone to sit with and nobody wants to sit with her. Because apparently, again, in this post-Chandler, everyone's nice world, you can shame people for being sluts or for being socioeconomically disadvantaged. And uh, so she's still scorned. And so we see the football team gather behind the bleachers and the cheerleaders are there, and Kurt kind of, like, eulogizes Ram. Yes. And is like, this is for our brother Ram. And, like, Kurt genuinely really cared about Ram. We also, I forgot about this in the pilot, but we see Kurt, like, give Ram a care package in which Kurt accidentally put, like, a bodybuilding magazine. Ram's like, what's this? And Kurt was like, oops, that's for me. Yeah. So Ram knew his best friend was gay and was cool with it. Yeah, they were good bros. Um, which I, I feel like is also something I wanted to mention about Ram. Brianna jumps off the bleachers and lands in the center, like in the on the pavement. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say three things very quickly. One, it seemed weird that we didn't start mourning Ram's death until now in this show. Two, this show 100% thought they were going to be selling I Am Suicide t-shirts at the Hot Topic. Ugh. They 100% thought that. Ugh. And three, to go along with my theory here. Before this happens, when we see uh, Trailer Parker making this shirt, she looks at it and smiles. Yeah. So she, we do see her happy for a moment before she then attempts to kill herself. She thinks she's going to fit in. And the next thing we see is the teachers meeting again. And don't you people see Trailer Parker almost killing herself is going to be great for us. She was poor. Nobody's going to think suicide's cool now. Oh, and, yes. Like, the coach is upset because the coach is like, why couldn't she have done this before Ram killed himself? Because they're saying Ram committed suicide. Right. Uh, from the Christmas lights on the bridge. And the coach is Keith Dudemeister from Scrubs. From Scrubs, yes. Also the uh, the vet from Always Sunny. And then we have Chandler mourning her brand because Trailer Parker has now damaged her brand. And then we get this, like, very sad little sequence about, like... Parker now is paralyzed from the waist down because she has survived. So not funny. <laughs> and she, like, can't drive the motor scooter. 
Now, that being said, there's no way she'd be back at school this quickly. Yeah. Like, I imagine there would be a lot of physical therapy. I, yeah, I, I don't and, think you snap back from this. Yeah, like, so, so it's very weird that she's already, like, back. And we see, you and I noticed that both of the bathrooms that we've seen have satanic symbols in the background. Yeah, there's a lot of satanic symbols. And then there's this, like, she's desperately trying to get out of a stall. Okay. Because, like, the school's not built right. No, it's still, it's it's the handicap stall, but, like, the motorized scooters are still very large. Mm-hmm. And even, like, older schools, they're still not really built for that. Mm-hmm. And she's also learning how to drive it. So, like, she doesn't... So it's just kind of this, like, extra indignity of, like, she can't even get out of the bathroom without problems. Yeah. And Chandler threatens Trailer Parker and says, like, Trailer, I'm confused. I'm trying to be a beacon of hope for Westerberg, which is why it's confusing to me as to why you would try to kill yourself wearing a home perm version of my merch. I just wanted to... Yeah, we know what you wanted. This is just another case of a poor girl trying to copy the rich kids and failing miserably. Trailer? Transfer to Washington. Transfer to Jefferson. Because your future at Westerberg is as useless as your legs. And then Lizzie stands up for her and she's like, it's not our fault. Because Lizzie is a foster child. So Lizzie is also economically disadvantaged and says like, it's not our fault we're poor. Just like it's not your fault you're overweight. Mm-hmm. And then you see Duke smirk. Because Lizzie has now learned so much from Chandler, she is kind of getting under Chandler's skin. Yes. And Duke is just having a field day with this because now she's kind of seeing her entry to get back in mm-hmm. and stop being on Chandler's shit list. And this is confusing as a viewer because I was like, oh, we're supposed to be cheering for Lizzie because Lizzie is good. Yeah. But L- Lizzie keeps saying things like, Trailer is the type of person that we're supposed to be helping. It's like, she's right there. Use her real name. Yeah. So it like, like, I never know how to feel at this show. Uh, During this, Veronica makes no facial expression because she doesn't know how to. There's a great moment where Chandler and Veronica have a confrontation and they call JD a human wallet chain. Right. The insults against JD are amazing most of the time. And Chandler, we know, has footage of Veronica and JD being in her house the night she quote, quote, died. So like Veronica's like, you've gotten so much attention that you can't change your story from suicide to attempted murder. And Chandler's like, I do have this footage of you in my house that night though. And Duke is like, let me take down Lizzie for you, Heather Chandler. Uh, You'd have to get your hands dirty. I can do it. And then I noticed that Veronica puts on her sunglasses whenever she doesn't want to deal with something. From the first episode, whenever like something happens that she doesn't want to deal with, have Veronica puts sunglasses on. Yes. Blue sunglasses. And like Betty is mad at her, and Veronica's like surprised. Like, what do you mean I stood up my best friend and she's mad at me? And then Duke shoves something into Lizzie's locker, which we immediately see is a note from Ram that he committed suicide over his love for Lizzie. And Lizzie immediately plays in. Yeah, she uses it. Like, we don't necessarily know that she, whether she knows or not. Oh, well, she shoots a look, to, a look to the Heathers like, you need to try better than this. Because she, like, begins to cry and goes, I don't know, this happened at my last school. And then, like, you see Jesus Julie, like, hug and console her. And, like, the narrative is immediately, like, poor Lizzie. Yes. Then we get to... 
Uh, Heather, Heather Chandler in a fury lights a trash can on fire, which is a nod to the movie. And then we get to Betty's problematic family life. Yeah. Betty gets an A minus, you know, after a string of deaths and suicides at her school, Betty gets an A minus and her parents are furious. Right. And they're like, Veronica's bad influence on you. Veronica's cursed. And this sets Betty off to thinking. And she realizes that like everyone close to Veronica dies. Because this is something I actually noticed that Veronica keeps referring to people as her best friend, including the girl with the red hair or the girl, the girl in red that is dead at the beginning and end of last episode. Yes. From eight years ago. Yeah. Chandler McNamara. And now this girl, I believe her name is Lucy. I have it as Lily here, but I think it's actually Lucy. Um, Lucy has just given Veronica her best friend necklace instead of Betty because there are three of them. And... Then Red and Veronica outvote Betty, even though it's Betty's house, and say Kath and play croquet. Yeah, instead of tag. So then Betty kind of like puts together that she thinks Veronica murdered this other 10-year-old girl. Well, she doesn't think Veronica's a murderer. She thinks Veronica gets in your head Mm -hmm. and tricks you into killing yourself. Okay. And so then Betty shows up to JD's door. And in this point, Betty is sympathetic. Yeah. Betty thinks she's protecting this random guy who's kind of a dick. Yeah. Betty starts to rise in this episode as the hero this show needed. You know, a hero. Someone to cheer for. And then JD kind of like plays into the social justice warrior narrative of like, he pretends to be an abused man. Yeah. And says like, no one's gonna believe a guy who's afraid of his own girlfriend. She's threatened me. And, like, kind of plays into Betty Finn. She goes, I can prove that Ram didn't kill himself, but you have to come with me. So he, like, takes her to Butcher's Bridge. And we realize that Veronica is stalking Mm -hmm. both of them. Veronica's, like, in her car. And we don't know if she followed Betty there. Or we don't know if she just, like, happened to be coming over to JD's house and see it. Mm -hmm. And then we get a scene with Duke and Kurt where Kurt... Gives Duke, like, a reason you suck speech. And Duke is like, you're reading that off a note card. <laughs> yeah. And Kurt is. Because Heather Chandler made him say this. And then Kurt, like, kind of goes off script and tells Duke why she's terrible. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, the way you treated me, the way you treat people. And hands her something from Heather Chandler. Uh, I want to point out the prop department could apparently only afford one gift box because it's identical to the the gift box box. (laughs) that uh, JD has just given Veronica. And it's a second place ribbon Mm -hmm. because it's like Duke will always be second to Chandler. And like JD kind of, they're at Butcher's Bridge. JD is kind of like this cute troubled victim, like playing into that like post Jordan Catalano jughead. Like, oh, poor boy. Like, I'm, you know, I'm the guy who wears all black, but I'm sad and sensitive. And then pivots to murder boy. And then a jogger runs by. Yeah. And we see Veronica see JD kiss Betty. Yeah. Kind of that, like, someone's coming, let's kiss to hide our faces thing. Yeah. And then Veronica is pissed. Uh, Betty runs, sees the knife, JD attacks her. And there's this great sequence that feels weirdly realistic. Betty goes, ballet, six years. Gymnastics, 12 years. Martial arts, nine years. Um, And then they kind of fight. And 
Then she gets a little bit farther away from him. And she's like, you'll have to catch me. And he's like, I'm faster than you. She goes, track and field, five years, and takes off. Yeah. And she loses her pink sweater and is in white, which I wanted to point out. Of like, she then sheds the color theory of the show. Okay. She trips over a croquet ball in her own yard, because croquet means death, and screams for help from her parents. And then she sees the blue croquet mallet, which is emblematic of Veronica, Mm -hmm. and fights off JD with it. Yes, because she's also taken fencing. Fencing, five years. (laughs) Pent-up rage of an overachiever, 17 years. And they fence with croquet mallets, and there's a great moment where she does a cartwheel and JD goes, Really? Come on. Betty Finn as a real person would do that. Yeah. Because you get the idea that like she's a combat pragmatist who's probably mostly watched a lot of movies and in a movie she would do that. But like... And she kicks the shit out of it. It's the first time a character is doing something. Yeah. That I'm just like, okay, maybe this show is good because I like Betty. Yeah. And like, it's hard to forgive her for some of the shit she said earlier. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, we at least now have a protagonist. And uh, Veronica, J.D. retreats. He does get away from Betty because Betty's going to call the cops. Because mm-hmm. he's like, fine, do it. Yeah. Telling Betty to kill him. And Betty's like, no, I'm going to do what a normal person doesn't call the police. Yes. And she runs inside. And then Veronica pulls up to the house, collects J.D. He tells her what happened, but kind of tells her a doctored version. Veronica's like, did you tell me the truth? Do you promise? Did you tell me everything? And he promises... And then she speeds up, clips a guardrail, and stages a car accident. Yeah, she's like, I'm giving you an alibi. Episode five. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I want to get through this. Yeah, I, we'll get I would through like this because to... I got some shit to say at the end, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so then this whole episode is the Hardcore Henry episode. It's all from JD's perspective. Yes. It's called Reindeer Games. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we see Veronica in interrogation with the police, and then it's Betty... Uh, Bud Dean and the Finn parents and a cop. Yes. She has exact timestamps and stuff putting JD where he was when he was. And the Finns kind of latch on to like, you were with a boy alone at night. Mm-hmm. Kind of this like, you deserve this because you went out alone with a boy. Well, there's also this like... This gross thing of this young man tried to kiss you. Like yeah. his girlfriend's in the next room. We've seen his girlfriend. Yeah, he's dating Veronica who's pretty and you're you. Like there's so much just... Fucking gross. And because she scene. lost her sweater, they kind of were like, they slut shame her because she's wearing like a tank top. Yeah. And JD looks all beat up and they all talk about how like pretty Veronica is. And Mrs. Finn looks at JD and like looks at his head wound. She's like, do you need Neosporin? And like goes in her purse to try to tend the wound of the man who just tried to kill her daughter. Yeah. And they ask JD like, do you have anything to say? And JD kind of just like looks down in, like, pretend shame. And says, like, his girlfriend said he was with her all night. Mm-hmm. And said they were got into a car accident. And that's why he looks like this. Mm-hmm. So no one believes Betty. And Betty freaks out. Yeah. Because no, she feels gaslit and insane and no one believes her. And she screams, like, I'll get you for this, you psycho. Mm-hmm. And the Finns drag Betty out. And yeah, while apologizing. And then the cop apologizes to J.D., and JD and his father agree not to press charges. And the cop and Bud Dean shake hands. And then JD sets up, um, you know, JD finds out that, like, 
the, Betty got sent to military school the next morning when he gets to school. Yeah. And so, we see... So our, my favorite character's gone. And, like, we have another establishing shot of all the security, like the, like the bomb-sniffing dog and the metal detectors. And we do notice that McNamara and Ram have portraits in the trophy case now because they've died. And every time JD sees a girl with a red scrunchie or red hair ribbon, the camera fixates on that girl and follows her down the hall. Yeah. So, like, mommy issues. We this see, is so fucked. Be- so we, we see all this stuff about, like, we hear all the different gossip about Betty. We see, like, through his eyes, Trailer Parker struggle with her love locker. Um, one of the girls he looks at is Jesus Julie, who becomes very uncomfortable. He has a kind of a fight from Veronica because he hasn't heard from her. They haven't texted. And then we kind of see Lizzie holding court. And then Chandler confronts him. And Chandler's like, Look, you got away with Betty Finn, but even eventually the patriarchy falls. I have footage of you in my house. I'll say you assaulted me too, if you don't do what I tell you to. So he kind of agrees to get rid of Lizzie. Yes. Uh, he agrees to get rid of her scene later, but I don't want to get it back into it. Yeah, um, we're speeding through this. And he starts getting texts that say, like, I know what you've done. And he goes, like, desperation's not a good look on you, Heather. Mm-hmm. And he goes to, like fight her at her house um, and then agrees to get rid of her. He goes to fight her at her house and then realizes someone else is sending the text Mm -hmm. because he gets a text from this number while fighting her at the house. And like, I'll save all my complaints to the end so we can get through this. Yeah. And then uh, JD goes to a strip club. The bouncer waves him in and uh, Jade is there and I do like that we noticed that Jade genders Heather properly. Like, Jade calls Heather her step-bitch. Yeah. Which, technically gendered properly. And sends her to uh, Dr. Destiny. This place is all in blues, and it's nautical. Because Moby Dick was a plot point in the first, in the movie Heathers. Yeah. And, but it's also all blue, which is Veronica. Mm -hmm. Destiny is a dentist who puts JD on nitrous uh, before the actual doctor comes. And he hallucinates his mother. Yes. And they give this high-ass kid a gun. Yeah. Like, the, the idea here is Dr. Destiny's not really a doctor. Like, that's just a code word you say to the receptionist. And then they put you under so you don't actually see who this person is who sells you a gun. Yeah. The next day, JD, like, goes to Lizzie, speaks highly of her, gives her flowers, and, like... Lizzie comes inside and there's a gun in the flowers and the note in the flowers was like, I'll tell, I'll come, I'll get you all for what you did to me. Mm-hmm. And the dog freaks out. And I want to point out that JD mentioned race issues in the first, second episode and then plants a gun on a black student. Yeah. Like this easily could have killed Lizzie. Oh yeah. And it doesn't like they arrest Lizzie because the show doesn't want to do that. Like the show isn't, I think the show even realizes that's above their pay grade. See, here's the thing. They set up this entire episode that he is going to kill her. Yeah. Because he's saying things like, I'll get rid of Lizzie, but you won't like how I'll do it. And then we see him getting a gun. This moment is supposed to make us as the audience go, oh, JD's smarter than we think. Mm -hmm. And we should not be sympathizing with the psychopath. And the fact that the whole episode is done through his eyes forces us to experience everything as him, so we have to sympathize with him. But he's a fucking monster. What a horrible thing to 
do? Okay, there's also a plot hole here you can drive a truck through. Uh, because he, we see him plant a bomb on a statue before this. Yes. And we see him, like, see the security footage. And that's not that far from where he gives Lizzie the flowers. So there's footage of him giving Lizzie the flowers. Somewhere, yeah. Um, and Lizzie never says, some guy gave this to me. Yeah, she just kind of screams, it's not mine. Yeah. Um, then Duke confronts JD and says, like, I know what you're doing. You're sleeping with my stepmom and your STDs are no match for her STDs. And we find out that Duke actually cares about Veronica in yes. this sequence. That's the big takeaway. And Duke is like, don't, don't break her heart. And like, JD kind of has this moment of like humanity toward Duke and is like, I won't, you know. Mm. And... Because he legitimately likes Veronica, and Veronica's currently not giving him the time of day. Right. Uh, Bud and JD spar, they box together. Uh, It's clearly like a generation war, because like, Bud is Gen X, JD is Gen Z. They fight over like generational stuff, and then he says like, your little girlfriend's making you weak. I was with your mom for a couple years before she started making me weak, and then JD gets a bunch of hits in because you don't insult his mother. Mm -hmm. This scene exists because it's cool to do first-person boxing. Yeah. And then... Uh, Veronica comes over to JD's house and is getting the the unknown texts just like he is. And she goes, who's doing this? And pretends to be scared. Uh, and then this is the sequence where JD breaks into Heather's house, beats her up, and then we find out that she's not sending the texts. Uh, this is not an important scene. I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. It's cool. It looks cool. Yeah. It would be great in a, a better show. Uh, Chandler axe bombs him, which is funny. Like she gets hairspray and a lighter... And it's like the best part of it. And then they get, he's like, so you're not sending the text. She goes, oh my God, everyone's literally obsessed with me, which is a great line. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he gets to, he gets an unknown text that says, don't you have somewhere to be? And it's the Westerberg statue that he's rigged to blow. And there's a baby stroller next to it. So he goes to the baby stroller and it's Veronica's diary. In which we now establish Veronica is the croquet killer. She killed that other little girl. Mm-hmm. And that the unknown texter was, in fact, Veronica. Yeah. And when the bomb is supposed to blow, she has moved the bomb to his car. Yeah. And she appears in a red jacket. (laughs) In a red car. With a cigarette that she lights over the explosion on JD's car, which is from the film. Uh, After they kill Kurt and Ram, movie Veronica burns herself with the cigarette lighter in self-loathing. And JD lights a cigarette off her burn. So that's like something taken from the film. Yeah. She appears in red. I mentioned this like five episodes ago. Heather Chandler's color is pink. We do not see her in red. She's usually in strong pinks. Mm -hmm. So you almost get the idea that they've reserved red red for Veronica. And she also now has a new red convertible. Because remember, she totaled her car in the last episode. She speeds off. JD is just left standing by his burned out car. Yeah. And that's the end of episode five in the first half of the series. Yes. So this was originally supposed to air in March 2018. Mm-hmm. It was pushed back because of the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting on Valentine's Day of that year. And then it got pushed to July. And then there was a shooting in Santa Fe. And then it got pushed to October. And by this point, they wanted to burn the series off. Uh, Paramount, at one point, was not going to run the series at all, but was trying to sell it to international markets. 
So how it actually airs is in five nights and the marketing for this binge-a-thon is entirely intended for Gen X. It's all Shannon Doherty. Hmm. For whom this is clearly a nostalgia lap of victory. And that's what I wanted to end this episode with is the discussion of who is the audience for this show so far. Right. Because they, they clearly are trying to do Gen Z culture, but through a very Gen X lens. Yeah. Using like Heather's is a very Gen X property. Yeah. So like you'd think that's who they're attracting with this show. And, like, a lot of the statements that are in here are very Gen X statements. Things yeah. like the dorm room poster. The, uh, you know, you have the political beliefs of the dorm room poster. And this, like, what do you mean the nerds are popular now? Yeah. And, like, it, it definitely felt like, oh, and the reaction to cancel culture. Yeah. As, like, cancer culture is this big bad everyone's afraid of. Yeah. And, like... I know I'm not a, a, a Zoomer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that. But, like, I'd like to think that I'm in touch with people, which is the worst thing you can say. Uh, but when it comes to cancel culture, like, I wouldn't say... I would say things like, you can't do that, you will get canceled. But not because I'm constantly in fear of being canceled. Right. Because we're better now and we know not to just make fun of someone because of their race or body type. Yeah. So, like, I feel like it is a very Gen X thing to hear their child say, I don't want to get canceled and think being canceled's the bad guy and not the action is the bad thing. Right. Because uh, the whole thing that this the show is lacking is consequences. Yes. And, oh, you've accidentally hit on something I'm going to hit hard in the next episode. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it, it's good. I'm glad we're, like, foreshadowing a little bit. Ooh. Uh, this yeah, show... Fuck you. We're able to, to uh, foreshadow. You should try it, Heathers. So, episodes three, four, and five do have fun aspects to them, but episodes one and two dig this show such a deep hole mm-hmm. that they don't... Like, you can't really have any fun with this show. Yeah. Because, like, there are sequences that are a lot of fun. And I think if 3, 4, and 5 had been shown without 1 and 2, or mm-hmm. if 1 and 2 had been edited down, or kind of just, like, Heather McNamara's character, the way her character is handled and treated is a mess. Yeah. Like, honestly, like... It, it's a, it's deeply upsetting. Th- there's so much just wrong with it where it's, like, not only is this line super damaging to the show... And to anyone who watches it. But, like, unnecessary. Like, I don't know why they spend so much time making Betty so unlikable in the first two episodes when she turns into the hero later. But then they get rid of her. And then they just bounce her. Like, uh, and it's so frustrating because there's so many other things. There's a play on anytime a character is happy, they immediately die. Yeah. Anytime a character is right, they're immediately removed. Yes. It's so frustrating. Like, and righteous right. Uh, there, there's two other things I want to touch on. Okay. Uh, So let me touch on this one thing real quick is how try hard the set is Mm -hmm. because like we caught something where the poster said something like looking for something to try drugs. Yeah. And we're like, that's funny. They never successfully do it again because the other ones are, they, they're auditions for the play suicide. Don't do it. And then the sign up sheet covers the word. Don't. Yes. And then we have these super try-hard things. 
that I, one, I don't understand. It's a picture of George Washington that just says president, question mark? Yeah. I was like, don't understand that joke. There's a sign that says, no means no, say yes to love. But the words that are in all caps say, no means yes. Yeah. It's like, that's really fucking try hard. That's like, no one would ever have that sign. And uh, when we see things through JD's point of view, his locker combination, zero, zero. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, any, anything else you want to bring up before I give a speech? Um, <laughs> no. There's a lot I want to talk about the next episode, but I want to get through the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, I just, I think the first two episodes of this show set such a bad tone. Mm-hmm. And I also think that a key thing in the book and the musical is that Kurt, Ram, and Heather Chandler have to be massively unlikable so that we can kind of, like, you, you're you supposed to be on J.D. and Veronica's side. Kind of, they're supposed mm-hmm. to feel very Bonnie and Clyde, like they're bad, but you're... They're supposed to feel like anti-heroes. Yeah. But because McNamara dies, and McNamara survives both the show and the... Mm-hmm. Um, in the show and in the in the musical and the movie, McNamara considers suicide, but is talked out of it by Veronica. Right. And I think having McNamara die ruins the show. Yeah. Uh, because... And I think having Ram be kind of dumb, but like he's a little bit racially insensitive, mm-hmm. but he seems like a, like, he seems like the kind of person who would grow up to be a better person. Right. So you kind of get the impression that like nobody who has died has really deserved what happened to them. So you can't kind of anti-hero Veronica and JD because they're terrible. Yeah. It, it's... It's absolutely terrible, and I just I want to say this because I freaked out a lot on this podcast. You did, and the thing that I'm worried about is people reacting to this as Noah can't recognize clear parody. Mm-hmm. I understand that this is supposed to be a parody, but it fails because yes. what is parody? Parody is taking something. And turning up its qualities until it becomes ridiculous. Right. This is why every parody of, say, Richard Nixon you ever see, he has those jowls that come down like he's droopy dog. Mm-hmm. Richard Nixon didn't look like that. Right. They're making his facial features more extreme until they become ridiculous. Yeah, like George Bush's ears. That's another good one. Uh, in this... They turn everything up to the point that it... But it never becomes ridiculous. It just becomes more horrible. This isn't parody. This is surrealism. Right. Everything is still reality. Like, nothing gets to a point where it's turned up so much that it's not what's actually happening. There are people who, you know, take the side of the rapist. Yeah. There are people who, you know, social climb and all this other stuff. But it's never to a point where it becomes silly. It just becomes horrific in this. Yeah. But the show is still expecting us to laugh. Yeah, the like... And I'm going to be honest, a lot of the lines are super try-hard. There's a point where Heather Duke calls someone an aborted queef weasel. Yes. Which isn't that good of an insult. Like, 
Like, human wallet chain and Jackie 4chan are at least, like, effective insults. Mm -hmm. But just, like, it feels edgy for the sake of being edgy. This whole show is, I'm 14 and this is deep. It, It upsets me. Because basically what that would mean, like, if you laughed at the scene where Betty is saying, this is how this man assaulted me. Mm-hmm. And, like, it gets erased and she gets pulled away. If you laughed and thought that was funny, then you must think, like, that would never happen. Yeah. But that shit happens. And it's just like, none of this is fun. None of this is, like, this is all just horrible shit played off as laughs. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I just... The show tonally doesn't work. Uh, because, like, I think... If they had decided not to go through with uh, Heather McNamara's suicide, I think that show just takes the show to way too dark a place way too quickly. And, like, the fact that the only one we see really mourn Heather McNamara is Veronica, who we're not supposed to really like, yeah, is really bad. This show is a mess. Like... One of the things people criticized 13 Reasons Why about was that the message of 13 Reasons Why seemed to be kill yourself and everyone will miss you and everyone will miss, wish they made it right. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of like, Heather McNamara commits suicide and no one cares. Mm-hmm. And like, that sends a horrible message of like, yeah, if you kill yourself, it's not going to matter. Yeah, like, you matter so little that even in death you will not matter. And that's... Like, there's a hopelessness to this show. And that, to me, is just as problematic, if not more dangerous. Yeah. Of, like, no, it's not everyone will be sorry. It's no one will care and life will go on immediately. Yeah. And that's just... Ugh. Yeah. This show makes me very uncomfortable and very yeah. sad. Yeah. It's it's really hard to talk about, despite the fact that we've successfully done it now for <laughs> quite some time. Yeah, I, I'm done. Uh, uh, yeah. I You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show... <laughs> Or Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Yes. Thank you to Crowdfund Cryptkeeper Matthew for sending this to us yes. and suggesting this. I hope that this is a good episode of Stay Doomed, if nothing else. Uh, if you want to talk to me about, I don't know, something happy. If you want to talk to me about wrestling, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to talk about, like, I don't know, Riverdale or Easy A or Mean Girls or the musical or, like, just something that's not this TV show, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed. But, like, don't.